Thursday doing this podcast on YouTube. Uh, please do check us out. It's Hughes Sports Podcast, HSP underscore pod on YouTube. Also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere. I look forward to seeing your comments in chat. Now, on to the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the April 20th, the 420 edition of the Hughes Sports Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Jake Hughes, and usually alongside me is the old man, Kevin Hughes. However, he is not feeling good today, so you get me for the whole show, but it's just going to be just me for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, we're going to talk about all sorts of different things, uh, including the Mar Doman SFU situation, uh, Connect Sign, a interesting name. Um, and then in the later half of the show, we're going to welcome Connor Doyle, um, you might know him from Twitter at Lords of the Rinks. He is also a contributor where I am a contributor at insidetherink.com. And we're going to discuss the LA Kings and Edmonton Oilers series because I think it's something interesting. And it's a it's it's a series that the Canucks fans, in my opinion, should be uh, looking towards at what we could do in the near future. <clears throat> but before we jump into it, HughesSports.ca. Every week we post at least one, sometimes two articles a week. Uh, looking back at some of the CFL stuff, editorials, uh, you get all of our podcasts there, um, as well as on, you know, watching us live here on YouTube and on the podcasts that uh, podcast players, Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, all those stuff. And please do, if you have an ability, leave a comment. Hit that like button, subscribe, follow us. Uh, if you're watching live right now, drop your name into the chat where you're watching from. I'll give you a shout out because I'm running things by myself right now and uh, we're going to go wherever I want to. Um, so let's start here with Amar Doman calling out SFU, which I mean, every week for the last probably four weeks, we've talked about this on the show. And you think, you, just when you think the story is going to come to an end, it doesn't. Um, so catch everyone up if you haven't watched in the past um sfu simon fraser university out of the beautiful british columbia they announced that they would be canceling effective immediately their football program and this due to the fact that they were um, being removed from the nca nc2a div2 program at the end of the 2023 season so they just decided to end their program prematurely citing that there was uh, no, there was challenges to find a conference to play in once the 2023 season is over, which I find absurd because uh, University West, the Canadian equivalent to NCAA um, for the Western, um, for the Western provinces, came out and said, "You guys never even discussed things with us. You never had, we never had a conversation." So it's. Um, yeah, kind of absurd. They're, they're not really giving any information why. Um, the SFU football players alumni filed an injunction in a BC Supreme Court, uh, basically st trying to stop the program from shutting down. Um, Amar Doman, who is the owner of BC Lions, he um, has been pretty vocal about this, basically saying if it's a check that needs to be written, you need to let us know, and there's a basically a blank check written for you. 
and the fact that as if you hasn't asked him for it um i don't think really sat well with mr doman um and i don't blame him this was a guy who literally opened up his checkbook and said i'm writing you a blank check and nothing ever said it no one ever said anything there, there might be behind the scenes conversations but you haven't seen anything at all yet um the recent announcement is that the Simon Fraser University Football Alumni Association or Society, SFUFAS, super long abbreviation. Why can't we just get something like easier? Um, they're holding a one day for SFU football. The goal of the day is to get a thousand people to donate to the cause of keeping the SFU football program open. Um, according to the news release, Doman and other community leaders will match donations up to a maximum of $500,000 in total con contributions. They will match those contributions for every 100 people who donate. I'm going to say that again because it's very confusing. It, they're not matching. If you, I donated $1,000, they're not matching $1,000. They're matching for every 100 people that donate. So if we get 100 people who donate two bucks each, because that's all we can afford, they're still matching. and we Or we get 1,000 people to donate two bucks each. That's only $2,000. But Domen and the, the community leaders around this situation is going to be able to kick in $500,000, which I think is great. It's, it's something that needs because a lot of these students have been practicing they don't have anything to fall back on. There, there's a lot of people who have full ride scholarships based off of their only skill that they have this far throughout life. And that's football. And that's unfair. Not all of them. There's going to be lots of them that football, it was football or die. They had no other thing to fall back on. And they were an, uh, an athlete student, not a student athlete, um, which is a, a, is a conversation that we can definitely have at another time. But to me, the fact that SFU continues to remain silent on this, they're not engaging the public, they're not engaging anything. What, what are we to believe about SFU? Because when the situation first came about, I said, well, maybe this is just a marketing point. Maybe this is just, look at us, we're talking about SFU everywhere in the sports scene in the lower mainland, not just lower mainland across BC. You're getting talked about. And instead of reaching out and saying, Hey, look, we understand it's frustrating. And, and Amar Doman, we, we'd love to have a conversation. We'd, we want to have a conversation. They're just radio silence. There's not a single thing that SFU has done to prove that they care about their football community. So raising the money is well and all, and, and I think it's a great, great way to get people to realize the cause and, and discuss things. Is it the way, is it the best thing that we can be doing? Because I, the leaders at SFU, the the chairperson, the presidents, the, the board members clearly do not care about a time-honored tradition of SFU. It's it's absurd to me because there's very few opportunities for Canadians in sports to have an edge. 
and SFU was that edge. They were the only NCAA school in Canada ever. And now because it's going to be difficult to find a new division to play in, they're just throwing up the white flag. It's a spit in the face to every single alumni, alumnus, uh, every single current player, and every single player who's watched this team. Because they're saying they don't care. It's a slap in the face. And honestly, if I'm an SFU student, if I am an SFU alum, I am not, clearly, there would be hell to pay. There would be letters being written. There'd be like this uh, Amar Dolman doing the uh, the fundraiser is great and all, and it's bringing awareness, but there needs to be more done. The facts, and I'm sure we'll we'll learn more about this injunction in the courts. But when when was the SFU season supposed to start? Just let's just take a look at this. Um, oh, they still have. So this was so hastily done that they still have their roster up for the 2023 football on their website. So last year they started in September. So we're in April. We have May. We're near the end of April. So we got May, June, July, August, September. We've got five months, five months to get this figured out. Now I know courts are going to work quickly to get this through because of the time restraint, but there needs to be, there needs to be, a solution to this because it's absurd it's absurd to me that they can can they, they have their website up still they have their roster they have their schedule like their schedule from last year they have everything up they have their coaching staff these guys don't have jobs anymore because someone i don't know if it's the owners the the, the the board that don't care about football, but they're showing you that they don't care about football. Hello, old man. No, I am only by myself for the next twenty or minutes or so. You'll you'll hear, be hearing me ramble on. Um, we will be joined. I will be joined. Uh, the show will be joined uh, by a gentleman named Connor Doyle. He is going to be uh, discussing the Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings broadcast uh, series series that's tied at two and two very different games. So I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, we're just digging into the SFU debacle that we, it's been a month now, I think that we've been talking about this and there's just every week, there's more news about it and none of the news is from SFU. So um, it's, yeah, it's absurd to me that they are blatantly looking at fans of football, fans of, the college, the alumni, the players that were supposed to go there and slapping them in the face. It's its absurd. It's absurd to me. Um, once there is a link, we will share out the link for the one day for SFU football. Um, again, if there's a thousand people who donates, Amar Doman and other business leaders from around BC will be donating and matching up to $500,000 if there's a thousand people. So 
please do donate. I, and I don't know what it's going to look like, what everything's going to look like. So it's something that uh, check us out on our Facebook and Twitter at HSP underscore pod, because that's where you'll see everything. We'll be able to get that up. So we are condensed a little bit here. So let's jump into the connect side of things now, because there is some more BC Lions news, but we can get onto that next week when the old man is back and fully healthy. But Canucks made a big splash in headlines because the Canucks signed Elias Pettersson. Oh, no, sorry. Elias Pettersson, not Elias. Um, the defenseman, the 2022 third-round pick. Um, lots of headlines going around. Um, Elias Pettersson signs, and then Pete not clarifying, which is kind of gross to me but i did post up on the inside the rink website inside the rink.com is where you can check that out or at inside underscore the underscore rink on twitter um everything gets posted there but um the intention for patterson right now is to play in sweden next year he has been playing um 40 he played 43 games in the adult league in the swedish first league um and had 14 uh where do you have Seven points and six penalty minutes while getting 13 games in the playoffs with no points. But that's not what he is. He's not a point getter. He is a defenseman who is great skating, long strides. Um, he's someone who can, in my opinion, in two years, three years, depending on where things go, could be a great fill-in for what Tyler Myers was for this team. Um, what OEO should have been for this team. Someone who is a def not a defensive liability, can get the puck out of our own end and get the likes of EP40 into the offensive zone. I've watched a few highlights of him, and the effortlessness in which he skates is the big thing that stands out to me. So um, he's decently physical. He knows what he needs to do. From all accounts, um, this, is, this is a deal well done. It sucks that he is going to play next year in... Sweden, unless things change. And of course, things are always changing on that side of things. But it'd be really cool to get him into the AHL program and, and around the Canucks organization more. Now, he is going to be he is going to be a uh, working out in Vancouver during the offseason. So he's going to get familiar with a lot of the guys there. I think he'd be better off in the a in the AHL. But hey, I'm not an expert. That's just my uh, two cents on where he should go. Uh, the Canucks have been pretty busy signing a bunch of a bunch of players. We've talked about a couple of them. Um, I'm actually working on an article right now, uh, covering the kind of the prospect pipeline, the prospect prospect pool that the Canucks have because it's not that big. It's uh, unfortunately quite condensed, but with it being uh, as as small as it is, it gives a chance to a lot of guys who. I think could make impressions very quickly. Um, it's something that is good because we're going to be able to take these guys like um, Vasily Podkolzin, who's been playing down the AHL this year um, and has been playing very well down the AHL. Uh, Nils Hoaglander, who was sent down partway through and it sucks. They lost money by going down, um, even though they were up with the team last year and were, for the most part, 50-50 players uh, last year. How the 
players themselves, it's got to suck. I think they did the right thing. I think for one of the very few times I can, uh, I can compliment Patrick Alvin and Jimmy Rutherford because they saw, they saw that these guys needed more time in the oven. They needed more cooking to be daily NHL players. And it might suck for them personally. They might not enjoy it. They, I wouldn't like it if I got promoted, I got or demoted after being where I'm at now. It would suck. It would it would feel like I'm not respected and and all that. And I get it. Um, the reason I bring that up is because last night, um, the Abbotsford Canucks in their first ever home game, home playoff game, they won. They won three nothing or three, I believe it was three nothing last night um, against. The Bakersfield Condors. Um, I'm just going to pull this up because I want to make sure I'm getting everything right. It was 3 nothing, 3 nothing for the Abbotsford Canucks in which um, Nils Hoaglander scored a goal, Jack Rathbone scored a goal, and the guys you want to be uh, controlling the game, guys who should be in the NHL and want to be in the NHL are the ones controlling the game. So you've got... Niels Hoglander, Noah Juleson, Max Sasson, uh, Niels, like Niels Hoglander with the assists on Sasson's goal, Rathbone, Wolanin, all contributing on the scoreboard, which is great because that's what you need. You need these guys to be getting this valuable experience so that way when you get into the NHL, you know what success feels like. You need to build an AHL team that has a base. And that base needs to be good. It needs to be good or great. It needs to be winning or competing for a Calder Cup every couple of years. Because I say every couple of years because you're going to pull from that. Look at where we got Alexander Burroughs from. The Canucks, one of the probably fan favorites of all time, Alexander Burroughs. He came up through when uh, the team was in uh, Winnipeg, the Manitoba Moose was the affiliate of the Canucks. And they had a good team. They had Bieksa on that team. They had Kessler on that team for a little bit. And they learned how to win. And someone like Alex Burrows, who came in and said, you know what? I'm not a star player. I'm not going to be a player that's going to score 30 goals in the se- in a season. He learned that. He understood his assignment. And he was a pest to play against. And when he got into the NHL, he was a pest to play against. And you know what he ended up doing? He ended up being a 30-goal scorer because not did he, not just did he know how to play professionally. He knew when there was a role assigned to him, he knew that he needed to do it. I'm sure, I don't remember this scenario because I was still in high school at the time, um, just to age some of you out there. The When the connection, the putting together of Alex Burroughs and Sedins, I'm sure it felt weird. Because here you've got this chippy, get under your skin, get into the boards, dirty play. Probably most people would have said third liner at best, fourth liner on a good team. And he goes out to probably have a career of careers. And in my opinion, he should be in the wall of fame. Um, It's, and that all started, and that all started as an AHL. So, the Abbotsford Canucks are 
in a three-game series for the first round against the Bakersfield Condors in the playoffs. They're up one nothing, and they host all three games. So it's a very weird schedule uh, because it's only a three-game series. So all the game, three games are playing in Abbotsford. They're technically the home team for only game one and game three, if there needs to be game three. Game two, they're technically the away team, even though it's in Abbotsford. So if you're in the area, go watch the games. It's They're exciting games. Um, if you're not in Abbotsford and you want to watch the games, you can, for $30, you can get all of the Calder Cup playoffs. You can watch every single team, $30, right there. Everything's online. Everything's um, you can stream to Roku, Apple TV, everything. It's a great system. Watch what they're doing. Watch what Trent Cole is doing. Culleton? What is his name? Trent Culleton, I think. I'm looking this up because I want to make sure. Jeremy Culleton. Watch what Jeremy Culleton is doing. He is doing things that, in my opinion, will make him the next great Canucks coach. Because if you look across the league, look at where the great coaches are coming from. They're not former assistants. They're not people who were an uh, an AHL coach for a short period of time and then became a, a power play specialist coach. No, it's the guys who are down in the AHL for four, five, six years. And then when they come up, they know how to control things because they've been a head coach. Having a guy be an assistant who players, I, would, I don't say disrespect, but don't have the same authority for as someone who conducts himself as a head has a head boss. I think uh, Jeremy Culleton is going to be that next guy for the Canucks. Uh, and Jimmy Elvin. No, Jimmy Elvin. Wow. Jimmy Rutherford and Patrick Elvin are doing the AHL what right. They're going out and these guys that they're signing are scoring goals and they're getting are scoring goals in the WHL. Doesn't always translate to the AHL. But if you have enough lottery tickets, eventually you're going to win. And what they're doing is they're going out and finding free lottery tickets. They're pegging them off the ground saying, yeah, here. If it doesn't cash, who cares? It was a cheap It was a cheap investment. I mean, for them, for, for the organization. I mean, for me, if I'm making $600,000 a year to play a sport, you know what? That's not, not too bad. It's... It's the way that things need to be built. And it's the way Pittsburgh was built. It's the way good teams are built. You're built from the ground up. You need a good foundation. If you don't have that good foundation, and that's where my skeptic hopefulness for next year is coming into play. Watching Alvin Rutherford and um, Hockett talk on their post-game conference, it's... It's nice having three guys who seem to be on the same page are focusing on one thing and getting it done. It, it, I feel like it hasn't been done since we've had Gillis and uh, uh, Lawrence and Vigneault. Like it's been such a long time that the Canucks front office has had one goal. Now, is that goal wrong? I think so. Cause they're trying to make the playoffs next year. Th this is where their goal is. My goal 
for this organization, what every single organization should be looking at is to how can we win a Stanley Cup, period. End of story. If you're not in the game to win a Stanley Cup, why are you playing it? And it's something that I think a lot of players or a lot of fans don't understand. A lot of owners I don't think understand because look at our owner. Look at the owner of the Vancouver Canucks. Francesco Aquilini and his family want to win now. They need the playoff revenue. Why do you need the playoff revenue? Do you need the playoff revenue or do you just want playoffs? The goal should not be let's make the playoffs. The goal should be let's make a really, 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 really good team that will win a cup. And that's where my issue came with this year, last year, the offseason, that the moves we're making, we're making moves to win now. This team isn't good enough to win now. It's not. There's no way that this team, the team that the organization, that the ownership, that management has rubber stamped by their lack of doing things or their direct actions is good enough to win. I've been watching, just before on the screen right behind me here, I was watching Toronto Maple Leafs. And yes, they might be the joke of the league. They might be oh my God, they can't get past round one. Watch tonight's game. When I turned it off, I believe it was 5-1. I'm, I'm going to just pull up the score here. 6-1 in the third period against Tampa Bay. If the Canucks scored six goals against Tampa Bay in a seven-game, in a, in a four-game series, I would be shocked. That's the difference and level of a true contender to what we are. Now, yeah, we're going to get there. We're, we're making the right moves. Patrick Alvin and Jimmy, uh, not Jimmy Rutherford. He was an absent. Uh, Patrick Alvin and uh, Rick Tockett had their postseason availability. And asked directly, are you going to be using, are you going to be using any buyouts? And... I rather or not Rutherford Alvin looked right into the camera, answered the question, said, I do not anticipate using any buyouts. If we don't use a buyout, we're stuck with OEL because we're not trading him. He's got a no movement clause. No one's going to take him. We're stuck with Garland, Besser. I mean, stuck with those are passable players, but we're stuck with OEL. Upon digging in, um, I'm, I'm, Tyler Myers, I don't believe his bonus is paid until uh, September. So it's not a July 1st trade. That's a mid-season trade that the, that the organization is going to have to do. And it's just not good enough for an organization that in theory could have been fourth worst in the league, but decided to fire a coach and, and take a new coach bump by bringing in Rick Tockett. It's, it's absurd. I I wish they would take a step back and ownership let the GM take a step back to to evaluate the situation because it's just not going well. But that's enough of just me talking. I have who just joined the room and I want to bring him on right now. Connor Doyle. Connor, welcome to the Hughes Sports Podcast. How the hell are you doing? 
Jake, I'm doing fantastic. I always love hearing someone lament about the Vancouver Canucks since they are the bane of the Los Angeles Kings existence. They, well, I mean, we might be the bane of your existence, but it's the only team that we, we still have, are a thorn in the side of. So, Yeah, I mean, it's true, but there's there's a lot of like there. We, we love ex-King Rick Tockett. Um, we love as much as you you hate to love him, Elias Pettersson. Um, we've obviously been in trade rumors for Brock Besser for a long time. I mean, you know, not the trade rumors you want to hear, but it's always the, the bloggers and opinion articles. But hey, when you're a hockey fan, you look into anything and you expand on it, right? You see Brock Besser and LA Kings related, you're like, please make it happen. Well, and you guys have longtime Vancouver veteran. I thought honestly was going to retire as a as a Canuck Zedler. Mm-hmm playing in a playoff series again, which yeah. is fantastic. It is fantastic. I, I wish there was some type of, I don't think a quarter zone shot does it, but I wish there was some foot speed <laughs> there. He's not really getting uh, due justice with being with Sean Dersey, who had a really great year last year, stepping in for Drew Doughty as the number one for the LA Kings, but he's been really uh, accident and uh, mistake prone this year. He was uh, really uh Edmonton Oilers really capitalized on him and took advantage of him the last two games. Uh, we're lucky to get a win out of that. But Edler's on a deep pair with someone that is that's uh, just two guys with no foot speed. Uh, and at least Edler has size and the veteran experience. So not doing him any favors. I think he was excellent last year with Matt Roy. I think he is an excellent Vancouver Connect. I think he's your all-time leading goal, uh, scorer for a defenseman correct until Quinn Hughes takes it over and what and takes it over in what three years? <laughs> I think I think Quinn Hughes at this rate, I think Quinn Hughes is going to take it over sometime next year. Yeah, I mean, it like the guys, and it just goes to show how good he is. Quinn Hughes yeah. is because Edler was a staple on that lineup for I think seven years. Yeah, he he was uh, PP one pres- quarterback, two Presidents trophies, uh, a final, a conference final. Uh, a Stanley Cup final, which I know there were some burning cars in Vancouver about. So, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good work there. I mean, gosh, that that franchise. I mean, you had it made. I mean, I think Kessler, another king killer, being your your two A. If you haven't heard Spitting Chicklets, he's on a he he does a really good uh, talk about when he first joined the Vancouver Canucks. I always find found Ryan Kessler to be a very interesting individual in the hockey world. And I think you guys had a great team, but yeah, Alex Edler, uh, will, I don't know if he'll maybe, maybe he'll get his number retired in the rafters. I know uh, everyone gives the LA Kings a lot of, you know, snuff about them having so many retired numbers and statues, but I can see Edler being a retired number, number two. See, like I understand the flack that the Canucks get. Mm-hmm. We have a handful of numbers retired and we have this many Stanley Cups. We've got zero. Zilch. Pavel, is it Pavel Bure? Is he retired? Pavel Bure did get retired, yes. Okay, that would make the most entire sense. <laughs> yeah, Pavel Bure. We have Bure, the Sedins, um, both of them, obviously. Um, yep. Trevor Linden and Stan Smeal. Daniel Sedin is by far one of the nicest human beings I've met in the hockey world being out in LA. Um, yes, it's everyone always gets associated with celebrity land. You really don't bump into him, but as a lifeguard working at this hotel up in uh, Palos Verdes, we've got to bump into him a lot. He'd come in the summer and really nice guy, really happy that the Sedins could, uh, you know, be working with the franchise now, maybe not at an executive level, but just, you know, special advisor, you know, at least you don't have a Mark Bergevin, you nothing against him, but when, <laughs> well, we, when Mark Bergevin, you know, he, I give him a lot of credit because he pretty much built a team in 2020, 21, 
that went to the cup final that you look on paper that you just go, there's no way they go to the final this year. And no, they go you, if, if you pulled that team to diehard hockey fans and you said, laid it next to probably Tampa Bay or um, even the Flames or Edmonton that year yeah. out of the, out of the, uh, the North division for the wonky COVID season. And you mm-hmm. say, which team makes the finals? I don't think there's a single person who's looking at Montreal and saying, that's the one. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But you know what? God bless that man. He did not go after and re-sign Philippe Deneau. And uh, that might be one of the best free agent pickups, arguably, in the last half decade in the NHL. Uh, you're talking about a premier shutdown to a centerman that is always going to get Selkie votes. He can chip in offense. You put him around two complimentary wingers. He's excellent. He was excellent with Tatar and Gallagher in Montreal, and he's been excellent with Arvidsson and Moore in, in L.A. Uh, broke his career high in, 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 in points. Last year he broke his career high in goals, almost doubled it. So, I mean, he's been an absolute stud for the L.A. Kings. I've got to thank Bergerman for not resigning him, how he was not a more coveted free agent. It's just one of those things where Rob Blake does not get enough credit as well as a GM, uh, bringing in a guy like Victor Arvidsson. Alex Edler, Philippe Deneau, and then making a big splash and getting uh, Kevin Fiala this last offseason for um, arguably one of their best defensive, second best defensive prospect. I think we all forget about Brant Clark dominating the OHL and leading all Canadian Hockey League, scoring in the Memorial um, in the OHL playoffs with, I think, 17 points entering yesterday in just five games. It's been pretty good. Been pretty, pretty good. I mean, yeah. he's um, – if – Connor Bedard was on a team that wasn't built for failure. Yeah, true. I think he'd be he'd be he'd probably be second. Virginia, um, well, he was second, fine. but I think they, like you said, they they got bounced in uh, five, the first round. They got bounced in the first round, but <laughs> Brant Clark was still leading over him. But of course, yes. But this is a defenseman we're talking about. The yeah, it's the, the, the Kings are just kind of like how I don't know if you know you you've been having your podcast. I don't know if you've been checking in, but like the the New Jersey the the Rangers game. You know, spoiler alert. Um, if anyone that is in my bracket challenge listening to this. I did pick the Rangers to beat the Jersey Devil, New Jersey Devils. I just don't think they're there yet. You know, you can make the same argument for the Kings. They, you're probably not seeing the best the Kings have to offer yet. Uh, I'm sure we'll go into that in a little bit, Jake. But um, when you have such a pipeline like the Devils have shown, they have two number one picks at center. Just like Buffalo, they have two number one picks on on defense. You know, you 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 have a lot left to show we haven't even seen brant clark we haven't really seen akil thomas we had as much as he's been back you know backed up a little bit uh with injuries we haven't seen alex turcott you kind of seen samuel fagimo uh there's there's a lot to like there's a lot more coming too with this team well and that's a big thing this year it really feels like there's a lot of teams that were solidified in in the playoffs so you mm-hmm. have like your edmonton oilers your vegas golden knights uh, as much as I hate that, the avalanche <laughs> you've got on the East. That was just a crazy year where if there was ever a sort of crossover rule, I don't think any West teams would be in um, because the, the East, especially the Metro was so competitive this year, but mm-hmm. you've got new teams on the up. You've got the LA Kings, you've got the Kraken, you've got the devils. And it, I think the devils, especially in the first game, my roommate is a Rangers fan. So if you hear any yelling, um, through the walls. That's why. Um, I, I mean, it, it should be a wrap by now. It's three to one, but keep going. <laughs> oh yeah. But we watched the first part of that of game one 
And I looked at him in early in the first period, probably halfway through, and I was like, did the Devils remember that they had a game today? Like it felt <laughs> like they were skating at half speed. <laughs> I have this, I have this cousin who played hockey over at Arizona State, and he has this really bad habit of listing players, but always mentioning, but they're American because it's such a Canadian <laughs> dog. So whenever he's like, Jack Hughes, man. He's American, but it's like uh, New York, Patrick Kane, Chris Kreider, American. They're kind of killing you right now. So, yeah, yeah I'm sure your roommate's having a great time with this. Oh, uh, yeah. Trying to make it out to a game next year, visiting my cousin to go see, go to MSG. But um, on to uh, – I, I know we want to talk about this first-round series, and I and I know I don't want to you know pull the rug out from under your feet, but I don't think Vancouver's playing in the in the postseason last time I checked. They're not. They're not. So, unfortunately – It's crazy because they had such a tear. They went on such a tear down the season. They went on a tear last year, and they picked up uh, Bruce Boudreaux as a coach. So, and that's an interesting that's, game. That's why, as, as a Canucks fan, I have this guarded skepticism about next year where I'm like, look, I saw great things. I'm excited, but I saw great things last year under Boudreaux. And, and the year after that, or the year before that, it was Travis mm -hmm. Green, and he turned things around at the end of the year. It's true. And it's been pretty cycl uh, cyclical, for sure. Is it now Is it now a core problem? Is it? Was it Bo Horvat? Ooh. I don't think so. I think Bo Horvat is a consummate professional, even yeah. though his comments uh, right before the playoffs against the yeah, Cavs, I, I, I saw those. Yeah, I loved it. We covered it a couple uh, last week. I loved it. You don't get. You, it's great for the game. Yeah. It built. Imagine if he didn't walk it back, and I don't. I think they're still going to try to play up it. His first game back in Vancouver. It's going to be the talk of the town. It should be, in my opinion, it should be a Saturday night game because those are huge in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And you build up all the media talk about Bo Horvat said the, uh, the New York is better, Long Island is better than Vancouver. I I do recall that. Didn't he score? Didn't he already put, did he have a game back in Vancouver, or he scored? No, he. So uh, Vancouver went to the islands um about okay. three days after the trade or something like that seven and, Bo and bolivier had like a didn't he score as well so it was kind yeah, of like a, yeah they were both like hey we know how to score against these goalies exactly but exactly because the canucks sadly aren't in the playoffs your team is the la kings and they're play facing the closest canadian team to me so i guess i have to cheer for them the edmonton oilers yeah um, um it's been it's been it's been something we've expected um, covering the LA Kings this year. Uh, it's it's exactly what we expected. I think it was just at, as we picked up steamed uh, through the you know the trade deadline and even prior, it was something that just was coming to a, to a halt. I think we were looking at hopefully maybe you know getting that number one spot, but as soon as Fiala took the knee on knee from Nick Cogliano in Colorado, it kind of started this um, just like a ongoing carousel to the, to the injury, to the IR list. And, uh, you know, Gabe Velarde, Alex Edler, Mikey Anderson. Um, so when you lose four key guys down the stretch, they were on a 10 and two run, one of those losses to Vancouver. Um, it just really slowed them down and in, in Vancouver, or sorry, excuse me, uh, Vegas and Edmonton just did not slow down. And Edmonton legitimately had a shot at winning the Pacific due to regulation wins. But I think they're, Vegas got that extra point from Seattle. With the, they just swept Seattle those last two games, sealed it. But Edmonton is a fearsome foe. I think from covering them and trying to be a neutral uh, media and journalist myself, amateur, whatever you want to call it, I think that whoever wins this series will win the West. Um, I think I'm I'm pretty confident about that because Edmonton, 
Edmonton superstars are unlike any other superstars in the West. They really managed to, uh, you know, patch up their weakness with getting Matias Ekholm. That contract's not going to age well, in my opinion. Um, it's just $6 million. He's 33 years old. He signed for four or five years. It's not going to age well, but if they win right now, it doesn't matter. Um, so I was going to say the window for Edmonton is right now. The windows are you're eight years into the Connor McDavid experience, right? And yeah. you're, you're you're dealing with the best player on the planet. It's not, it's and it's someone who you know I love Anze Kopitar. You know, one of my my player before that was you know uh, Pavel Datsuk, right? But even those two players are not even on the same level on the no. offensive capability. We've never seen a player like this where they they just look like everyone else is playing pond hockey. When He's he, ridiculous. When he, when he turns it on, and I saw it in the first two periods of the uh, Oilers Kings game. Mm-hmm. When he turns it on and to skate past someone, there's I don't think there's a skater in the NHL in the world that could stop him, whether it be yeah. physically stopping him or trying to keep pace. When yeah. he he winds up through the neutral zone, and you can just see he he starts to protect the puck and comes through. Um, I can't remember who it was on the defenseman for LA in game one. In game one, when he drew um, the five on three penalty. Yes. Okay, so that was that was against your daddy, Mikey Anderson. He cut through, yes. but it's it's probably the only time he can do it because McDavid, you haven't seen him do that because the Kings play a one three one, which is another bane of our existence because it's a good thing because it shuts teams down, their superstars down from cutting through, like we're saying about McDavid. Um, but you know we haven't seen a team one with the one three one. Uh, I think Tampa Bay Lightning in two thousand eleven they got the farthest. But what you're saying on that play is. He's able to do that because the Kings are down short and you're not able to run a run three one on the yeah. PK. So he was able to cut through the ice and like all modern day NHL teams for the power play, it's the drop pack pass. So you have speed coming through and maybe Barzal, Kreider, Aho. I mean, I'm trying I can't I don't think of it. I, I can't Jordan Cairo. Like I can't think of any other player that is on a drop pack, uh drop back pass on the power play. I don't see anyone else coming through at that much speed other than Connor David, Dylan Larkin. No. Like, it doesn't matter. Like we do it with Kempe and it still looks Kempe's extremely fast, but it still is not the same. But yes, he made two world-class defensemen look pretty silly. And luckily Corpusalo, who we will continue on to talk about, he's been a, a huge storyline of the series because the one area that I think the Kings edge the Oilers is goaltending. You know, Stuart Skinner's a a fairly untested rookie goaltender, 24 years old. He's been playing great for Edmonton, but his you know, margins for error are very, very slim, and he hasn't looked the sharpest. Don't know if you saw the Gabe Velarde goal last night. I mean, obviously it was it was gorgeous, but that's a goal he's got to he's got to stop. Yeah, and I mean, again, Stewart's gonna has been playing great. He's never played playoff hockey. Oh yeah, and there's a difference. Like just watching the games, you can tell that the plays are that much faster, that much harder, and you're seeing. I think, in in my opinion, the depth of the Kings is actually better than the depth of the third and fourth lines of yeah. Edmonton. Because well, if, you want, if you want to call it the third or fourth lines, I mean, the I think Janmark got injured uh, from blocking Kempe's shot in game one. So yeah. they've been running what they've been doing a lot of the years, the 11, 11 forwards and seven defensemen. The first goal Edmonton scored last night, uh, Drysaddle was centering what Derek Ryan and, and Costin. So you have your uh, bonafide superstar centering your fourth line, also centering, you know, Kane and Yamamoto. It's, it's, it's tricky to back up, match up against. Well, and it it, it goes to show, like, you, again, you have the superstars, and Doughty's a superstar. You've got, um, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Kempe and Kopitar. Mm-hmm. But they're not the level of Dreisaitl and McDavid. They're also I, not making the money of Dreisaitl and McDavid. And I think it's the same issue that Toronto right. has. 
that's why Toronto is is just like Edmonton. They're in that they're in that window, and you know you're probably going to see if they don't do anything with this window. Even though, by the way, side note, love the way Ryan O'Reilly is playing right now. I've always been a huge fan of him. I love Selkie guys, but I'll get back on. Yeah, that's another team that the guys make too much money. Um, look what happened in Boston. Obviously, they're older, but you know, guys come back like Krejci and Bergeron and have team friendly deals where they make in like two point five. And look at the team they built when you take pay cuts. You know, when you have two guys making over 12, what Dreisaitl and McDavid are both in the 11 or 12 range. And it's also the McDavid effect. I, I you know, Zach Hyman a, is a darn good hockey player, but you're telling me that he's going to go put up 30 plus goals every single year without being on a team with McDavid. I mean, how many of those, 19 of those out of his 32 were on the power play? I, that's, those yeah. are really good numbers for the power play. So that's a McDavid effect. Cause so the next time Zach Hyman goes into arbitration or a, a contract negotiation, he's can put those stats forward and Edmonton Oilers are going to have to pay him. They're going to have yeah. to, it's the McDavid effect. Well, and any superstar has that effect, but yeah. when you're, when there's superstars and then there's Connor McDavid, it's, it's true. He, he drags us. Like I always look back at um, the Sedins on a oh, line yeah. with Alex Burroughs. Oh yeah. Because on most teams, during that time, Alex Burroughs is probably a really great third or fourth liner. I just talked about it earlier. He's a great third or fourth liner. He's pesky. He's got speed. He's able to get in there. His hands are good, but he doesn't have that top end talent. Mm -hmm. But the Sedins grabbed him and said, you're our guy. You sit in front of the net. You learn how we like the, the passes and you make it work. And he scored 30 goals. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's actually a really, really good comparison. Um, always love Burroughs. A good pest. Um, obviously one of the, the, the game changer or sorry, franchise changing series for the Kings is the 2012 playing Vancouver. So I know Burroughs very well. You know, I think it's at the end of game one, Mike Richards took a run at Burroughs with like a minute left while we were up. So I think that just changed the, this, the, the tempo in the scene, but always a big Alex Burroughs fan. Um, if you go on our Instagram, you can see that I'm a bit, such a big fan of him that he's on my background with Lucci sticking his fingers in his face. Cause that's uh, hall of fame moment for hockey. Never going to uh, happen. <laughs> you just don't bite a, the gentleman's hands. You just can't do that to Bergeron. He's the gentleman. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but this so, series, Jake, it's um, it's it. You know, as a Kings fan, from uh, as from the Kings perspective, it doesn't. It, you got the split on the road. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Corpusalo has been absolutely lights out. Um, but what's concerning is these starts. You know, I think they were they got to this two minute mark of the first period, and they still hadn't got a shot on goal. I think it was ten to. 10 to zero. And then by the second period, obviously we, we stepped it up, but it was 15 to three at one point until we really started stepping up, but give credit to this Kings team for hanging in there, being able to match up uh, pretty decently well with their top four demon against their superstars, those two top lines. Um, but they've been getting pretty manhandled and bullied, but that, that game one comeback has really set a tone that this team is different from last year. Victor Arvidsson, he might not be the guy for Nashville, but you know, he's, He's really stepped in his game. I think he's, you know, uh, Matias Ekholm was interviewed the other day after the Oilers uh, win, and they're just saying how he, he played seven years with Victor Arvidsson in Nashville, and he's really seen the dynamic changes in his game. Uh, he's definitely a more well-rounded player. Obviously, you know, Ekholm has a little bit more size than a five-foot-nine player, but this team uh, has an opportunity to go home and take care of business. They were an excellent home team especially in the second half of the season. I believe they were in the second half of the season, the third best home team in the NHL. Uh, they don't give up much at home. They're going to be able to provide matchups and hopefully they can stay away from that Darnell and their CC pairing for the top line. That's really hurt them. 
Also give a huge shout out to Evan Bouchard. He's having a heck of a series for Edmonton. He's uh, obviously their their best prospect. You know, Philip Broberg has not really not really gotten the time of day. I mean, he's their le- their seventh defenseman when they do the eleven seven rotation. But uh, this is a series that I have going seven for Edmonton. I know that might be a shocker, but you know, without Kevin Fiala, they really don't have a dynamic third line uh, because, the, like you said, the Oilers are really a, a two line team, and that Bukestag yeah. move, that Bukestag move, really solidified their third line more of a checking role. But they don't have th- three or four scoring lines. They have two extremely good scoring lines, but they have a good checking line. But their fourth line is kind of piecemeal right now. Yeah, and again, you talked about it. They every now and again they'll run that eleven and seven. So you've mm-hmm. got Drysdale double shifting, or you've got Connor McDavid who you know wants double shift. Yep. Like he's out there more than anyone should be. Um, yep. I'm just looking at the stats. He only 10 second different from Dreisaitl, uh in yep. the last game. But, but who has the points? You know, McDavid's been held to a point in these two games, has been held off the score sheet at five on five, but Dreisaitl only five points, two games. But but that's also like Connor McDavid, yeah, held to one point. But that's when the Kings don't have – last change there you guys aren't getting the matchups it's true i mean i don't know if you follow the athletic either but the athletic came out with just a good article recently from dom lachuskin about how home ice has not really you know matter i think there's a, a lot of splits you know D- dallas lost um at home vegas lost at home colorado lost at home so you have a lot of these does home ice really matter? And I will always, you know, I have a, I have a good sports group that I talk with um, that is all about, oh, baseball, basketball. Well, it, home ice advantage or home court advantage only really matters in hockey. You could have loud fans. That's great. But hockey's last change. I, you know, I put out, I'm in Vancouver back in the day and I put out Mike Richards or I put out my, my top scoring line in Coptart. You can put out Ryan Kessler. And then I put out Stoll or Colin Frazier. You can go put out the Sedin twins because you know that you're just going to hand them. Exactly. Right now, with like you said, with home change, our our fourth line goes out there. They got caved in. They see Dursey and Edler go out there. Guess what? McDavid hops over the boards, and he's going to burn both of those every single day of the week. But, and I mean, the big thing is, I mean, Corpus which I think is the move of the trade deadline. I don't think there's enough conversation about it. I think think Corpus trading for Corpus it was something that I didn't see coming, mm-hmm. but I think short up the goaltending position in LA better than any other move. Like there was some big names that moved, but did they make that big of an impact? Bo Horvat moved. He didn't do that. He hasn't done that much with the Islanders. To be fair, Barzal got hurt when they were together. They were dynamic. Yes. I, I like your, I definitely like picking your brain on that because the, I don't know if you were following the whole, uh, what I'd learned is that Bill Armstrong of the Coyotes was trying to play um, the Edmonton GM and Rob Blake. They're trying; he was trying to play them to try to see what the aspirations. Because Rob Blake was trying to go get Chikrin in a Velmelka deal, and I liked Velmelka as well. But yeah. Corpus Allo had I, I'd followed him back to his Columbus days. You know, it was five was it five overtime uh, loss against Tampa Bay in 2020. I mean, this is a guy that. Is, was holding, I think, a 967 career postseason save percentage in his nine starts. So, I mean, that was a huge add. And I think Phoenix Copley deserves some recognition if we're talking about goalies. Um, he saved the King season. He showed that with average to above average goaltending, would he finish 26, 5, and 4, something of that nature? Those are ridiculous numbers. Those are insane numbers. And he and I love Copley, but Copley's not an, an elite goaltender in this league. He's just, he's been a career backup. He hasn't played more than 37 games in a season. 
in five years, right? That's five years. He's played 37 games and he's come in and he's just been a calming presence. Quick and Cal could not get it done. And another thing I want to remind fans is that Quick was had never mentioned that he was going to retire. And so if he was going to hit free agency, Rob Blank was going to lose him for nothing. So he made a hard move. But like you said, Corpusalo and Gavrikov, it's been it's paid dividends. It's paid huge. Like it's paid huge. Like I'm I pulled up uh, uh Corpusalo's stats here, um, including the two games in the his so his career playoffs, he's a 937 save percentage. Got it. Okay. Prior to this series, I think he was up there, but yes, I think yeah. he's still, but that's still, a, that's still, still 937. That, that's yeah. winning a Stanley cup percentage. Yeah. hundred percent. That that's Vasilevsky numbers in, in the, in the playoffs. Yep. And he was on a very terrible Columbus team. So I'm sure he saw that trade come through like that. He saw the phone call. Picked mm-hmm. up a he was going to a team that was competing and in the playoffs. And he was like, let's go. Yep. They were flown out on a private jet, him and Gavrikov, and with their families. And they had a, I think Gavrikov said in his interview that um, when they flew in, that like they had two sedans or SUVs pull up to the airport. They just had keys on the dash. They had their places all set up. Like they got the LA treatment for sure because Rob Blake obviously would like to keep at a minimum one of them. I would love to run Corpus Allo. Um, Also, uh, another savvy move not talked about is, you know, Rob Blake went out and got Eric Portillo um, from, I believe, University of Michigan. Again. So, I mean, we have an, a possible f- future goalie star. I mean, they Buffalo has a ton of goalies, but uh, yeah, I, I hope that Rob Blake is able to sign one of them. Gavrikov has been playing absolutely phenomenal against McDavid. I think in the second half, once the post trade deadline, they've been one of the best D pairings in the league. Matt Roy does not get enough love. And him with Gavrikov has just been an absolute steady pair. But another guy, Gavrikov, you wouldn't have known until Zach Wierenski goes down for Columbus. He steps into kind of a number one role. And we saw it with Dursey last year. But Dursey just <laughs> – I just I, – sometimes I don't understand because he played a number one role last year. Now he's getting kind of more sheltered minutes. He's on a third deep pair, and he's suffering, to say the least. Well, now is that – do you think that's part of like a, a sophomore slump overthinking the game – I only, I only believe in a sophomore slump if it's like the opposite. Like if you were, you, you entered the league, you had a good time, you know, you had good minutes, you had a good production from, you know, sheltered role. A lot of new guys get sheltered roles. You get sheltered minutes, offensive zone starts, maybe some neutral zone starts, but he was playing as the, he swapped Caught out and he, he played Drew Doughty minutes. You know, he was our number one guy. And then now it's the opposite. Now he's getting sheltered minutes. And it's like you're struggling. So it's kind of the most confusing thing because I believe the sophomore slump is when you're, you have to expand on your role from you did last year. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But he, what he's doing this year has just been really confusing. He put up 30 plus points, but he's minus, you know, 11, um, minus 11 or minus nine. So he's kind of struggled. Um, plus, plus minus is not always the best indicator. But, but then again, look at McDavid. McDavid's up, I mean, 153 points. He's a plus 22. Anze Koptar had 74 points. He's a plus 20. 21 you know it's it's the yeah. difference between the way you approach the game yeah well and not just that but like i mean you you look at connor mcdavid in the defensive zone yeah the defensive impact it, is not the same it's not the same but the again 128 points you're never going to turn that down it's it's finding a balance and i think players like mcdavid don't need to find that balance because they're constantly in the offensive zone. They're constantly scoring. They're putting up points. They're yeah. constantly beating people, but smarter players, the guys like Edler, the guy, the older guys who Tyler Myers is always the one that comes to mind who, as his foot speed is slowed down, he's learned how to play better positionally. 
And Kopitar, I've seen a lot of that in the last couple of years where he's gone from being very offensively focused with defensive upside to yeah. being very defensively focused with offensive upside. Don't I think know. It's a, Sorry. Do you, do you, I don't know if you know this, but do you know how many penalty minutes Kopitar has all year? No. Four. He's taken two penalties all year. That's it. How do you, and he played the entire season. He wasn't injured. He played, was he? played all 82 games. I think he's, I think the stat was like, it goes back like almost like 280 games where he's like, where he's taken more than four penalties. So yeah, he's a lady being front runner. I'd say Braden points right there. Cause I think Braden point has 12 penalty minutes, but he got in a fight. So like he realistically <laughs> Braden points. And yeah. So Braden point probably not going to win the lady Bing cause he got in a fight, but that, I see two penalties. Kopitar's taken two penalties and Todd McKellen talks about it. It's, it's always in the right position. You take penalties being out of position. Kopitar yep. is always in the right position. Do I like a matchup between him and McDavid right now? Probably not. That's why Phil Deneau's taking it on because Kopitar doesn't really have the same foot speed. He's got two pretty fast guys on his wings right now. Well, and again, it comes with age, right? As soon as you get up into the, I mean, I'm just 30. So once they get into senior citizen age in the NHL <laughs> at 30, your foot speed loses. Like you need to be, you need to learn how to adapt. And that's what the star players do. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Oh, believe so me, you... I'm, I'm knocking at that door and I'm I'm at school over at UCLA and some of these like kids are talking about staying up till midnight to do homework and I'm like, 8.30, bedtime, maybe an amount of time, <laughs> done. <laughs> so yeah, I can only imagine for a hockey player at 35, but his level of consistency, he's a career 0.85 guy in the regular season, 0.88 in the playoffs. I mean, his level of consistency against the competition he's played against John Rosen touched about touched on it in his uh, form report. He's just, he's a first ballot hall of famer. He's been an absolute joy to watch and what better than to have your future cornerstone center playing on the line with him. So, Oh, it's, it's the it's way, funny. it's a way that team and a team needs to be built. Thank you. Because I mean, going back to days of playing, you know, NHL 16, NHL 17, you draft a guy at franchise. He might even be, he might be a center. You put him on the wing next year. Number one, you let him develop. I was always against it. I always don't, I don't always believe that NHL video game translates, but oh, it's no. like the first time I've ever seen Rob Blake and the coaching staff, you know, do something like this where they, cause Kupari, even Byfield, when he first came in, it's like, you're going to play fourth line center. And you're going to work your way up. Right. Yeah, I feel it's like we're going to use your size and length on the wing, and you're going to be on the top line with Kopitar. It's like, okay, <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> the nice thing is Kopitar gets kicked out of faceoff. You still get you still get get some faceoffs, yeah, minimal, but you do get some. And QB's not even QB's not even like besides Brant Clark, but QB and Brant Clark are not even the guys I, I'm excited about right now. It's the guy breaking out. It's Gabe Velarde. Gabe Velarde, 2017. If he didn't have the back injury, he was being talked as, you know, with Heischer and Morgan Frost as a top three pick. I mean, he fell to 11th. I mean, this guy is, is a game breaker. He came in first game, hadn't played since March 26th against the Blues. And he scores that goal last night coming into his first playoff game since last year. I mean, you know, he only played two last year. He is, he's dynamic. Uh, you know, he's not the, you know, not foot speed guy, but guess what? You got length, you got uh, size and his, he's shifty. He's his hands. He's. And yeah. he sees the ice. He's, he's, he's the ice. he knows where he's going, what he's doing. Yep. And it's it's something that I've been paying a lot more attention to since Elias Patterson kind of popped onto the scene. Guy's not big. He's not he's not lanky, but he's people can't touch him because he's yeah. five steps ahead of them. And yep. the great hockey players, their bodies will come. Like Petey this year was a lot bigger than he was when he first started. He doesn't look like the alien. Yeah. But, <laughs> 
but true, like true. Velarde is going to be the exact same way in my in my eyes. His yeah, vision and his thought process is already at an elite level. His yep. body's just catching up. He is. Uh, if I had to make a comparison to like a player who, uh, who's kind of around his ears, he's almost. I, I almost find him almost exactly like Pierre Luc Dubois. It's just I think I think Velarde's just better on the boards. I think his board work is elite. I think his defensive impact is elite. Um, Velarde's just going to be a very special player, and right now. He's getting looks at center. He was getting looks at center for a large portion of the uh, third period, right? So, I mean, if you start developing a Turcotte, not can't even have Turcotte in the picture right now due to the injuries, but like a Byfield, Velarde, and Kupari down the middle right now, that's what you're growing on. You're growing on three first-round picks that um, two of them are arguably elite. Byfield just is one of those bigger body guys that is going to take time to develop, right? Hey, what if they what if they called Tage Thompson a bust? I think he did all right this year. Yeah. I think he, you know what? I think uh, he proved some people wrong. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the Ryan O'Reilly trade worked out for both parties. You know, uh, yeah. St. Louis ended up winning a cup, but <laughs> my goodness, the talent that is being stockpiled in Buffalo is second to none. So, case you know, every bad. year, every year for the, like, year. the past three years, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be the year they break out. This is going to be the year they break out. And they, they, they were, I felt like they had something this year. They just, I think they need a couple more veterans on the blue line and, Maybe some insulation. You know, I like Kyle Ocposo, but you know, like the the, the new culture. There's going to be a new generation moving in, and like I said, two first round picks, like two number one picks on the blue line, and own power and Darlene, and you got Middlestad, you got Peyton Krebs, it's, Dylan Cousins. I mean, Alex Tuck, Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner still there. I mean, they were a very fun team to watch this year for sure. Oh, so much fun! Yeah. Now, as we're wrapping up here, you said you had the Oilers winning in seven. I do have the Oilers winning in seven. I mean, that's that was if that was if maybe even Fiala came back. You know, it doesn't look like he's been walking around with a, a brace on his knee from some reports. But even if Fiala was in, I had Edmonton in seven. It's just a it's a coin flip. Edmonton is a very I can't even say they're a very well built team to be honest with you, just because they they're do a top heavy team. They are very Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle heavy team. They have some nice pieces around them. I get it, but the depth of like a Carolina is not there. Right. You no, don't the depth of the, the Rangers. Look at the Rangers. Exactly. exactly. Your third even, line is, is three top picks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but still with being how they, how Jay Woodcroft does it. Cause you know, we haven't even talked about is just the fact that when he gets in trouble, like last year, game six and game seven, then dry title ends up being on a wing with McDavid and there's no defensive pair in the league that can stop that over the course of 60 minutes. So yeah, I'm going to stand by. I hope that the Kings can make a, a good licking out of it. So it's not like a four or five, you know, obviously can't be a four now, but not a five or a six. Hopefully they can make it, you know, a series worth, you know, being like, Hey, we hung in there, but I stand by it. I think Edmonton seven and I think Edmonton goes all the way to the Stanley Cup finals and maybe gets the slap on their tushy from Boston or some East coast juggernaut. Who else you got coming out of the West? Who who's who do you have winning um, the Winnipeg Vegas series? Because I think that's I had I have I just because I I think Mark Stone is a top three winger in this league because you have him as the best two way winger. You have Panarin and you have Pasternak, right? You have three different types of wingers. They have arguably the best responsible two way winger since Marion Hosa. Um, I picked Vegas in five. Winnipeg is making me look bad. They're going to be on though tonight, so we'll be able to check it out. Um, probably coming up here shortly. Um, I have I have Vegas in five. That's probably not going to be mostly accurate. I had Dallas in six. I had Colorado in five, which Seattle's 
prove me wrong. I think in my conference final, I have Dallas and Edmonton right now, and I have Edmonton. I think we're very similar. I think um, I swapped. I had the Kings in seven. I think nice. They, Good I man. Have, I, they're four. They have four lines that they can run. Mm-hmm. And that to me is huge. Um, as much as I hate to say it, the Golden Knights, just because you can't count them out as much as I want to. And I, I the depth. They, they have the depth. And honestly, as much as like I, you know, I going back to like 2018, a little bit less immature Connor Doyle, I could not stand that they swept us in probably one of the lowest scoring sweeps of all time. <laughs> Seven goals total for the Knights in four games, three for the Kings in four games. It was brutal to watch. Ten, yes. ten goals in one series. It's insane. Ten goals in four games from both teams. Brutal. And, the over and, and under that. In the last two games, it's there's been what? Uh, 11 goals? How many goals? My brain is not doing math right now. With With Vegas? No, with uh, L.A. and Edmonton. L.A., it's been, um, oh, my goodness, it's 4-3. Oh, so, seven five. goals to six goals. It's 7-6. Seven, so, or yeah, 13, 13 goals total. In two games, which is which is, which is is good pace. Good pace, right? You know, yeah. you're not last, – last year when we beat them 4-3 to three in their house, the next game was 6 nothing, and then they came home to L.A., and they lost 8-2. to two. So, we, in two games, it was 14-2. to two. So, trying to reverse that script a little bit. But yeah, that, those are my picks out the West. I always like to ride a good. I think Jake Ottinger, Ottinger is the best goaltender in the West, so you always got to ride a, an elite goaltender. Joe Pavelski injury kind of hurts. Uh, Joe hurt. Robertson is an absolute star. Um, I always, always a big fan of Jamie Ben. Um, he's he guy's a stud. Um, that whole team. I like Miro Haskin, and I think he's a dark horse Nor- Norris candidate every year. Um, really like that team. Uh, if Colorado, in my opinion, never addressed their center depth, they never addressed Kadri leaving. So um, you just can't. Uh, JT Comfer has been doing a heck of a job as a second line center this year, but that's not Nazem Kadri. I.e., that's no. 89 points out of your lineup. So same I thing. don't think. I think Colorado went about it the right way. They didn't try to replace him with another star. They let said, him grow. Yeah. Let, here, Comfer, here you go. You've earned. You've earned second line. Let's let's see what we can what we got here. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, you're right. So those are those are my picks. I really hope your bracket is right. I know a lot of people have picked the Kings to go all the way, and I I do stand by it. If the Kings do win, though, I see them coming out of the West. I mean, they're playing the two hardest guys to play in the West. You yeah. know, you you think Phil Deneau, after playing against McDavid, is going to have problems playing against Carlson or Stone or Eichel? No, like, well, Stone's not a center, but. I just don't see it. You're playing against McDavid every night, and then you go. You're, it's like you're taking a downgrade. It's 2014 all over again. You played Chicago in the conference final, and that was like the Stanley Cup finals. You go to New York and you go up three not three zero in in the first yeah. three games. So it's one of those for me. I think that it's all downhill from here unless you get to the final. Then you got to play an East Coast juggernaut, which I think. I might just be- think. Mm-hmm. I think coming out of the East, I think whatever team limps into the finals because I think that's what's going to happen is. No going to be at a disadvantage I uh, versus the West. I never, and I, I'm sure you knew this was coming, but I never stand behind a president's trophy winning team just because I think it is cursed. But if they get Bergeron back, this is, this is the best team I've seen built. And it's not just a best team just built of random. Like it's, it's guys with pedigree. It's guys that have been there too. It's, it's a scary team. That decor alone, Orloff, McAvoy, Lindholm, uh, with Grizzlick or Carlo. And oh my, I mean, it's Forbert and, Who's the last guy? But like they, they are they're they're scary. Um, X King Derek Forbert. Wow. Um, we it's funny stories. We saved him in the expansion draft and said, and then let Brandon McNabb be exposed, and Vegas took him. So crazy how things yeah. work. 
Crazy. Right, so, yeah. Well, I appreciate the time because we yeah, Jake, anytime. I love hawk. Obviously, we love talking puck out here in somewhat southern, sunny Southern California. But um, well, it's it's got to be nicer than here. We got we got snow all day. Wow, I think it was thirty two degrees Fahrenheit. I have to do the conversion, but I I actually because of the car accident today, I wonder because I did get checked out. I I am a little concussed, so I am pushing through this. I should be wearing a dark visor. (laughs) I wonder, like in Vancouver, I could even go outside. All the bright light. I mean, wow. Um, But yeah. Don't like the snow very much, but once again, thanks for thanks for having me, man. I appreciate the you know the the heads up and you know always willing to talk uh, puck and especially LA Kings and Vancouver's got a bright future on their hands. Hopefully, if they take care of it right, and uh, well, I, that's a big thing, taking care of it right. So taking care of it right, harness it. You know, you got a small flame, you got it, you got a little you know kindle, you got to keep breathing some life into it, make that fire going. Yet yeah, exactly, just just keep rub, keep rubbing it, and hopefully exactly exactly. Hopefully, it's not a locker room thing. Now, Connor, where can people find you if they do not know who you are, if this is their first interaction, hearing your beautiful voice? Wow. Thank you for the compliment. You can follow me on Lords of the Rinks on Twitter. I run that with another Jacob, not as, uh, I mean, if he's listening, I don't care, but not as good as this Jacob here. But Jacob Mandel <laughs> and Connor Dole, we both run Lords of the Rinks. We follow, we cover the LA Kings via Inside the Rink, both at UCLA, both U.S. Navy veterans that just, you know, like talking puck. Well, I, again, I appreciate the time. I appreciate your service. Yeah, uh, even if it's not for my country, I uh, it takes well, a, it takes a special type of person to protect. Absolutely, but we all know that Canada is the better country, anyways. I <laughs> <laughs> just mean, haven't won a cup in forever. It, best tweet I've seen in the last ten years was uh, recently with, uh, and I, I want to cut this off. I know you got to go, but no, it's fine. It was, it was a tweet that said, "All you guys suck for talking smack about having to hear the Canadian national anthem, but think about the regular season. There's more U.S. teams, so if you go to a Canadian <laughs> game, you have to hear that all the time." So I was like, "Wow, that it hit me different because I do go to games because in the military, when you're on base and they do colors in the morning, you have to salute to every single nation that's there." And in San Diego, we had like six nations there. So by the third nation, you're like, your, your arms starting to you're like, oh, man. Start. <laughs> you don't plan that muscle. You don't do a workout like that. But Jay, thank you for having me. Go enjoy the uh, Vegas game. Man. Yes, I'm sure we will have you on again because it was a pleasure to talk to you again. Everyone go do drop a follow at Lords of the Rinks. Um, go check out his work on Inside the Rink. Check out my work on Inside the Rink. It's uh, it's a growing site and uh, drop comments. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what you like and tell us what you don't like. Um, thank you so much, Connor. I will uh, put you in the timeout room. Thank you so much, everyone, for dropping by. I do appreciate you guys listening. If you're listening on a podcast, if you're listening on uh, live right now, hit that like button, subscribe, drop a comment. If you're listening on any other uh, part platform, follow us, like us. If there's a, the ability, leave us a five-star rating. We do appreciate those. Have yourself a wonderful night. And I will see you guys here next Thursday. Peace.